Well, good morning, Grace people. It is good to be with you. also want to give my greetings to those of you who are watching and listening along in the Fellowship Hall or at home online. Today marks the beginning of a new season on the church calendar, the season of Advent. Now, what does Advent mean? Well, the word literally means coming or arrival. That's what the definition comes to us from. That's what it means. But what is Advent about? Well, three things. It's about expectation, anticipation, and preparation. Expectation, anticipation, and preparation. These three words describe our spiritual posture in the weeks leading up to Christmas when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the arrival of the Christ child. So why take three or four weeks every year to expect and anticipate and prepare? I mean, we know Jesus was born. We know that he came and what he came to do. So why wait? Why not just skip to the good part, right? Fast forward to that part where we get to the birth and the celebration of Christmas. Let's just get there, right? Let's get on with it. Well, it's because our posture during Advent connects us to the posture of God's people in the story of Scripture. And when we connect ourselves to that story, we begin to see how that story shapes our lives as followers of Jesus today, right here and right now. It connects us all the way through the centuries, through the words of Scripture, puts us in a place of listening and preparation. So let's explore the story, in particular the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah the priest. You already heard a little bit about Zechariah in our reading this morning. Zechariah the priest, he's serving in the temple of God. It's his turn. It's just his turn to do his duty, to be there present in the temple. And by drawing lots, he gets the particular honor of burning the incense. Now, what does burning incense really have to do with? Well, the Bible teaches a little bit about the burning of incense. Incense is a symbol of the prayers of God's people rising up into the air as an offering to the Lord. We offer our prayers. And so incense is burned simply as a symbolic version of that, something that we can visibly see, smell, participate in as we pray. So Zechariah is there in the temple doing what dozens and dozens and dozens of priests have done before him. For years, for centuries, for over 400 years, as a matter of fact, coming into this place, offering the same prayers. Now, we don't know exactly which prayers he was sharing, but it's likely that he was sharing prayers that were part of what would be the common book of prayer for God's people. A series of 18 or 19 prayers that were expressed by God's people, the people of Israel, regularly, some of them daily, and as a representation of God's people, the priest would come into this place and offer these prayers, a long list of prayers. Again, something that had been shown over and over and over 
again. And connected at the heart of these prayers was an expectation, an expectation that God would be sending an anointed one, a Messiah, a rescuer, one to come and save God's people. For 400 years, this prayer was lifted. And so far, these prayers were met with silence. Gets uncomfortable, doesn't it? That's just a few moments. Imagine being God's people for 400 years, 20 generations of silence from the prophets. The great prophets, the ones that we have been listening to over the last few weeks, the prophets who have declared what was going to happen to God's people an exile into Babylon, and then ultimately a return to the promised land and the ultimate victory in a Messiah that God would send. But it had been 400 years. And here is Zechariah praying these prayers again. But these aren't the only expectations that have gone unmet or been received with silence. You see, Zechariah has a prayer of his own, a prayer that he's been praying with his beloved wife for decades, a prayer for a child. Not 400 years, but I'm sure 40 years, certainly long enough. And now as he is growing into his old age, along with his wife Elizabeth, yet another unmet expectation, another prayer answered with silence. So Zechariah, well, I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of going through the motions at this point. Certainly an honor to be in the temple fulfilling this role, but praying the same prayers that have been prayed for 400 years, lifting perhaps his own silent prayer in the midst of these prayers. A prayer for a child, even though it seems long past time for that prayer. And in the middle of his prayer, an angel shows up at the right side of the altar of incense. This is not good news. Historically, all throughout the Bible, when an angel shows up, it's not good news. It's something to be feared. God is showing up or sending a visitation that would shock God's people, would often be a harbinger of bad news to come. And here this angel stands in the presence of Zechariah and says to Zechariah, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been answered. Which prayers? Can't you imagine, at least for a moment, Zechariah going, which prayers? The answer is 
Yes, Zechariah, your prayers, the prayers that you have been bringing before the Lord, the secret prayers of your heart, your wife is going to bear a child. And in this miraculous visitation, what is Zechariah's response? Well, we pick it up as we continue reading in verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? (laughs) I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. How can I be sure of this? Even in the face of this remarkable visitation, it's not an unfair question. Let's not be too hard on Zechariah. In the face of continual disappointments and unmet expectations on every level, it's a fair question from Zechariah. But here's the thing about expectations. God is not moved by our expectations of him. Let me say that again. God is not moved by our expectations of him. I've led many mission trips when I was back in student ministry, and I had a practice that I did every time I gathered together a group of ongoing short-term missionaries. We would gather in a circle, and I would ask them to each write down on a piece of paper, what are you expecting from this trip? And they would write down a variety of different things. I'm expecting to see a new place. Uh, uh, I'm expecting to encounter some new people. Uh, I'm expecting to um, experience worship in a a foreign land. Uh, I'm expecting um, God to do some cool things. Uh, uh, I'm expecting to eat some interesting food. Uh, They'd write down all of these different expectations. They'd fill them out on their paper, and I would have them go around the circle and share each one of them. And when they were done, I would pick up a trash can, walk around, gather up each of them, and throw it in the trash can. And say, here's the deal. God is not moved by your expectations. 
Now, that may seem a little stark. Listen, it's not that God is uncaring or indifferent to our expectations. They just don't hold any sway over God's rule and reign and timing in his kingdom. God is God. I am not. He knows better. God is not moved by our expectations of him. What moves God? Well, God is moved by his love for you and his mission in the world. Those are the things that move God. That is what moves the heart of God. His deep, deep love for you and his creation. And his mission and purpose in redeeming and rescuing us from ourselves. This is what moves God, not our expectations. And it's that promise of God's love and mission that speaks through the angel Gabriel and silences the voice of Zechariah. God's words, which will come true at their appointed time. God is moved by his love and mission, and that moves Zechariah and Elizabeth from expectation and the not meeting of those expectations to anticipation and preparation. Now, anticipation is different than expectations. We all can have expectations at different times, things that we expect to happen. The thing about expectations is that oftentimes they don't or they don't turn out the way that we expected them to. But anticipation is something different. Anticipation is a looking forward to a promise, to something that God is doing. It's an emotional state of excitement, of looking forward and expecting God to do something, not that you would be appointed or disappointed or that you would have control over what the outcome would be, but that God is on the move and that his promises are true and real. And that with anticipation, you can look forward to what God is going to do and make preparations for that event. It's the difference between expecting a pregnancy and anticipating the birth of your child. Two different emotions, two different places, two different thoughts. You see, for Zechariah and Elizabeth, a baby is on the way. And not just any baby, a son named John who will be filled with the Holy Spirit and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God is preparing to do something in the world and he is preparing his people to be a part of it. But Zechariah doesn't believe it at first. So the angel silences him for nine months. Now, I don't know about you, but being unable to speak for nine months feels like torture to me. I had to do a couple of silent retreats while I was in seminary. They weren't silent. Not for me. I mean, I did my best. I hung in there for the first 12 hours or so. But then I would go out, and as soon as there was any opportunity to bump into somebody else along the paths at the retreat center we were at, I'd be like, hey, how's it going for you? And I would meet the other extroverts who'd be like, this is torture. <laughs> but for nine months, Zechariah is silent. Now, it sounds like punishment, but it actually is an act of God's mercy and grace. 
Why? Because God is preparing Zechariah and Elizabeth for something. He's preparing them to raise a prophet. And in order to prepare Zechariah and Elizabeth, he must remind them of what he had prepared for his people long, long ago. And in that nine months of silence, he is preparing Zechariah and Elizabeth's heart. And at the end of those nine months, John is born. And when the people of God are wondering what this all means, Zechariah's mouth is opened and he begins to sing a prophetic song. And it's captured in the pages of Scripture in chapter 1 of Luke, beginning of verse 67. Just hear these words of Zechariah. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Wow. Suddenly it all became clear to Zechariah all the prayers, all the waiting, all the silence. Zechariah is ready to speak because he has been reminded of God's promises. So what does this all mean in this season of Advent for you and for me? Well, maybe you are here today suffering from low expectations. Maybe you're seeing the trouble in the world or the trouble in your own family. Maybe you have some unfulfilled hopes, some shattered dreams, some deep disappointments. This may be the story that you find yourself in right now. And from that place, you may be asking some very honest questions. Is there any point in praying? Does God even hear me when I pray? Why doesn't he answer? Does God really care about me? Does God have anything good in store for my future? The answer may be hard to hear. It may feel like a long silence. But 
God is preparing you for something. So hear me when I say this. Before you can perceive what God is preparing you for, you must believe what God has prepared for you. Before you can perceive what God is preparing you for, you must believe what God has already prepared for you. God has already done the most important thing he could ever do for you. He has sent his son Jesus to die for you and has prepared the way for your eternal life with him. And that eternal life begins now. God has prepared the way to eternal life out of his deep, deep love expressed in that famous verse from John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. That's God's promise. That's what God has already prepared for you. And in this life, God has prepared the resources you need. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Does that mean that you're going to be financially rich, that every problem that you face will be swept away easily? No, that's not what the promise means. What the promise means is a promise of God's presence and provision in the midst of every struggle. He will meet those needs according to what Jesus has done for you. He will find a way where there seems to be no way. He will bring light into the darkness when it seems like the path is completely covered. And God has prepared good work for you to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. For us to do. God has already prepared these things. He's prepared the way for you into eternal life. He has prepared the resources that you need to move forward in this life. He has prepared good work for you to do. All of this is a part of God's preparation that he has already done for you. And then at the end of all of it, God has prepared an eternal home for you. John 14, 1 through 3 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. These are the promises of God, of what he has already prepared for you. And his invitation is to believe. Believe in what God has already prepared for you so that then you can receive what God is preparing you for. 
In this season of Advent, we wait with expectation, anticipation, and preparation for what God is going to do because of what God has already done. So here's what I encourage you to do in these three weeks this year. When life tells you to hurry, slow down. When life gets loud, be comfortable in the silence. God has prepared the way for you. God is preparing a way for you. Let's listen. Let's be okay with the silence because we trust and know what God has already spoken and that he will speak again. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray to you today out of hearts and minds and lives that have so many stories to tell, so many things we want to say, so many words of gratitude as well as words of regret, so many petitions before you of things that we are hoping for, so many purposes and plans in mind that we have, Lord, that we bring before you wondering what plans you have. So, Lord, in this very moment, quiet our hearts. Slow us down from the busyness and the boisterous noise of the world around us to find sanctuary in you to find hope and joy and peace and love as we anticipate your coming, as we make plans and preparations, Lord, do the preparation in us and then help us to see and hear and believe what you have already done. Thank you, Jesus, for all this in which we put our trust in you and in you alone. Be the glory and honor forever and ever. Amen.